Welcome to the Royal Aeronautical Society's inaugural Amy Johnson named lecture. My name is Elizabeth Donnelly and I'm a member of the Royal Aeronautical Society's Women in Aviation and Aerospace Committee. A century ago, Hilda Hewlett became the first British woman to earn her pilot's licence and the Women in Aviation and Aerospace Committee felt that this century of women in flight was a golden opportunity to publicly celebrate women in our industry with a named lecture. Of all the women that it could be named for, Amy Johnson was an obvious choice. Amy Johnson, CBE, was a pioneering English aviator who received worldwide recognition in 1930 when she became the first woman to fly solo from Britain to Australia. She broke a string of other records over the following six years, including the first solo crossing of the Atlantic by a woman in 1932 and the solo record from London to Cape Town twice, once in 1932 and again in 1936. Amy Johnson was a member of the Air Transport Auxiliary during the Second World War and sadly in 1941 was the second member of the ATA to die in service. Reportedly she flew off course during adverse weather conditions and drowned in the Thames after bailing out when the plane she was ferrying ran out of fuel. She gained her pilot's licence on the 6th of July 1929 and in recognition, the 6th of July will traditionally be the date when the Amy Johnson named lecture is held. Later in 1929, she became the first British woman to gain a ground engineer's sea licence. On women, Amy Johnson said, women came into the picture when it was found that flying needed not so much physical strength as endurance, patience and resource, all qualities possessed by women in great measure. She also contrasted the opportunities available for men in aviation. Training was easy and comparatively cheap. Jobs were numerous and well paid. Young men could join the RAF and then move on to become an airline pilot, an air taxi pilot, an instructor, a race, racing pilot, a record breaker, a navigator, a radio operator, and the list went on. But there were not the same opportunities for a woman, she pointed out, largely because the RAF did not accept women and there was much traditional prejudice against women having a responsible job such as an airline pilot. Eighty years later, in 2009, the Society's newly formed Women in Aviation and Aerospace Committee wrote a report, The Future of Women in Aviation and Aerospace. And sadly, we highlighted the continuing paucity of women in critical jobs in aviation and aerospace, such as pilot engineer and at senior management and director level. We concluded that the aviation and aerospace industry is missing out on a wealth of talent and creativity because so few women are employed in key roles. We are determined to change this. Although the Amy Johnson named lecture has been launched by the Women in Aviation and Aerospace Committee, we wish to tackle serious issues of interest to a wide audience, not just women. Our intention is to invite high-profile women to deliver the lecture, yet we will leave the focus of each lecture to the lecturer. In future years, we hope to invite senior women from the aerospace and space sectors, as well as aviation. We hope that they will talk about significant issues within the industry and the challenges facing us in the future. We feel strongly that this lecture should not be seen as pigeonholing women or giving us special treatment but instead should be regarded as an opportunity to celebrate and showcase female talent. 
We are therefore delighted that Carolyn McCall, Chief Executive of EasyJet, has agreed to be our inaugural lecturer. In the words of Amy herself, we are living today in the air age, and ours is one of the leading nations in our present civilization because we have realized, slowly but nonetheless surely, that to neglect this new, swift, vital means of transport would be the first quick step to our downfall. These words are as true today as they were when Amy wrote them. The UK aerospace industry is now second only to the United States, and our sponsor, Airbus, is the world's leading aircraft manufacturer, and women can only contribute to that success. It is now my great pleasure to introduce Tom Williams, Executive Vice President Programmes from Airbus, to introduce this evening's lecturer. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you, Elizabeth, for the introduction. We at Airbus are very proud to be able to sponsor this inaugural series of Amy Johnston lectures, uh, and we think it's important that while there's been good progress in, in trying to bring through more women members into our team, and I, I hear I speak particularly of Airbus, we still struggle, quite honestly. We do much better at recruiting young women in the first ranks in engineering and business management roles, but we struggle to get them to go through all of the way to the end of the process into the most senior roles. And, for example, our executive committee today, in which I sit, is, is fully male-dominated, which is clearly a concern that we have. So while Caroline's got a tough job, I think, in, in leading EasyJet, because she has um, demanding shareholders, as we all do, she's got tough competitors, and she's got customers with very high expectations, uh, I don't want to give her another role on top of that, but we clearly need her to be a benchmark, uh, a beacon, in terms of women in leadership positions. Because in our research, that's one of the issues that's missing that the young women who come through our organization don't necessarily have the clear role models, as the guys do, of what it's like, how to behave, how to, to, how to get to that level in the company. So I think we can think of no one better than Caroline to give this lecture and hopefully to act as that role model in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the first thing I want to say is that I don't normally come out looking like this. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm going on to a black tie event um, at uh, 7.30, so that's why I look like this. I don't go to work looking like this. The pilots might have a thing or two to say. Uh, the second thing I want to say is, um, is that I don't normally um, accept speaking invitations which are only talking about women in business or you know, w women in anything because I'm just a firm believer that um, you know, women have to kind of... It, the, the world is a different place is what I like to think. However, having said that, um, I am going to talk about uh, women uh, and also the lack of them a bit. I only do that at the beginning and at the end. And then I spend the rest of it talking about aviation and, uh, and uh, EasyJet. So I just thought I'd say that uh, to start with. Of course, um, it is a great honor for me to speak to you today. Um, I, I was very, very pleased to be invited to speak at such an 
auspicious event, really, because today, as, as Elizabeth said, is, is the actual day that Amy Johnson received her pilot's license, which is, uh, you know, and she was a fantastic role model. Um, and as Tom says, we need lots of them. Um, now, um, I've got uh, some slides, and I'm just going to... Um, three very different women up there, and uh, there are no prizes here, but these are all women first, making the headlines in just the last fortnight. I wonder how many of you know that that is Beyonce. Now, if you've got children or grandchildren, because I, I wasn't that familiar with her. But just go from Christine Lagarde. She's the first French finance minister. Um, she's French finance minister, and she's the first woman to head the IMF since it was created in 1944. Beyonce, you won't believe this, but she actually was the first woman she achieved her greatest dream, which was to play in Glastonbury on the pyramid stage the first woman and that was this year and uh, in Jersey the other woman here uh, she was the first police officer for, uh, she was the first woman to be made chief inspector in Jersey so the only reason I put that up is I thought that was quite surprising that after 40 years of the Equal Pay Act women were still considered to be newsworthy to be doing things like that um, and of course as you know again I, I won't repeat what Elizabeth said but it is quite uh, Interesting. I mean, the aviation industry is a fascinating industry, um, full of exciting and adventurous things. Um, and, of course, women have played their role in that exciting history. But, you know, even in the momentous first machine-powered flight on December 17, 1903, with the Wright brothers, it has been almost forgotten that a contributor to that great event was their sister, Catherine Wright, who I think we should celebrate as well today, who first flew with her brothers for their demonstration flights in France in 1909. And of course, we must celebrate Amelia Earhart, first woman to fly across the Atlantic as a passenger, and then in 1932, much more famed for her contribution across the Atlantic, and, you know, Amy Johnson, as I've said, and as Elizabeth has already talked about. Um, but, you know, I suppose women today still make the headlines in both business and aviation because there really isn't a critical mass of women at, really at the top. There just isn't the numbers. Um, and I suppose, you know, as the chief executive of the UK's largest airline, I was just asked to share some of my views about that, but also my views about what it's been like at EasyJet over the last year, and of course some views about the aviation industry, and I hope I'll, I'll be able to take some of that over questions. Now, I've got this slide up here because I was fortunate enough in 1986 to join a media company which was completely meritocratic. And again, Tom has referred to this, which is it already had a woman on the board then, uh, and she recruited me and she was my boss. And uh, actually, she was a great role model. And by the time I left, the GMG board, of which I was then CEO, uh, had three female board members. Um, now, when I moved to EasyJet, some of you will remember, uh, that was... Actually, to the day, a year ago, I started on actually July the 5th, so slight inaccuracy, one day short. Um, but there were swathes of media coverage about, uh, about my appointment. And a female columnist in the FT commented on what had already occurred to me, which was, would that have attracted as much attention if I'd have been a male? Of course, the level of media scrutiny makes the start of any new job harder. My approach is to try very hard to ignore it and to be very focused on the job at hand. And, of course, there was a lot to learn for me, moving sector, and, of course, there was also a lot to do. From fixing some operational issues, uh, some of you will have, I hope, not been a passenger last summer when we were having some trouble of our own, um, 
bringing a relentless focus onto punctuality and reliability, which I had to do very early on, to recruiting a senior team, from rekindling EasyJet's cause, which is about being passionate, about making travel easy and affordable for our passengers, to managing the disruption caused by volcanoes, two in a year, uh, air traffic control strikes, the most severe last summer, and the most severe winter weather in 30 years. From the steep oil price, which you'll all know about, which is 30% of our cost base, to delivering our numbers for our investors and listening to their sometimes diverging views. From trying to lobby the government not to put up APD uh, for short-haul flights, which we think is a complete nonsense and will stop people coming into Britain, uh, to dealing with ETS, the new Environmental Trading Emissions Scheme, um, just you know, there are just issues that face the airline industry. They seem to come day by day, week by week. And I suppose what you learn really quickly is you have to expect the unexpected in the aviation industry. And the only thing you can do about these known unknowns and unknown unknowns is to be as prepared as you possibly can be and to have the right team in place to deal with all of that. And actually, that is what we've focused on doing. So... I think the, the other thing I've really learned quickly is you have to be ruthlessly focused on your priorities, what you have to do, uh, partly because there is so much going on. There are so many moving parts all the time. So as I said, operational resilience, which is being punctual, being reliable, that was incredibly important for me to get right, to get the right crew numbers in the right bases. Very important. That was the first thing. Second thing was to recruit my senior team, and I'm now pleased that I've got the right people in the right jobs. Um, had to really think about the brand. You know, in the UK, EastJet is known actually by 99.98% of the population. That's a statistic. It is known everywhere. It's a big brand. In Europe, that's not the case. We have different challenges in France, Switzerland, Germany, Spain, Italy, all of which are major markets to us and all of which we operate in. We've had to really think about building our brand, understanding the consumer in those markets. And I've also brought a real focus in EastJet onto people, our own people. That had kind of somehow, you know, it had always been a brilliant place to work. I mean, from the days of Stelios, it had been fun, passionate, energized, you know, this orange culture. And actually, in the last three years before the new team joined, it had kind of lost that bit. So we were very, very keen to make people feel that they were part of something really exciting again um, and that they could really make a difference. So we focused quite a lot on that. And, of course, the customer, very, very important, and, 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 and really we've put it at the heart of our thinking because, actually, most people, all our research says that most people find travelling by air quite a stressful experience. So they're already preparing themselves before they get to the airport. So actually what we're doing is we're looking at the airport-to-airport -airport experience, and we're actually trying to give them information before they even get to the airport, normally by text or by email, so that they know if there are any delays on the roads that they're coming in on, whether there are any problems at the airport, whether the queues are big or small, etc., etc. So we're really looking at it. And of course, we can intervene and influence the airports, because we're a big customer of the airports, uh, and we can lobby governments about the queues with security and immigration. So we're really, really focused on making it easy for our passengers. And of course, finally, we will always be relentlessly focused on our cost base, because it is the way we can pass on low fares to our passengers. So despite all the external challenges I described earlier on, 
uh, and that faced the aviation industry and will continue to face the aviation industry. We've put the customer at the heart of what we do and we remain one of the few profitable airlines in Europe carrying over 50 million passengers per year and we're bigger than BA, BMI and Virgin put together. How many people knew that in this room? Would you could I have it? See a show of hands. How many people knew that? See, it's about six people. Isn't that amazing? So I think that's the other thing we have to do is we've got to kind of behave now as a kind of very, we're a very big organization and a very successful airline. And I think we need to exude that a bit more as an airline. EasyJet, in fact, is the fourth largest airline in Europe. We've revolutionized the way people travel, operating on more than 560 routes between 129 airports with a fleet of over 200 aircraft, and innovation remains a core value. And despite our UK route, 60% of EasyJet's passengers now start their journey from outside the UK, i.e. mainland Europe. So we are making EasyJet a truly pan-European operation. Now, our Advantage network connects the most convenient airports. We don't fly to secondary airports or to tertiary airports or airfields, like some of our competitors. We fly, we fly to primary airports. Convenient times, convenient airports, so that we give our passengers the widest range of choice, whether they're going on business or on leisure. We, we just try to make it easy to book with us, low fares, as I said, friendly service. Our crew get top marks because they are friendly and helpful, and we think that's an unbeatable consumer proposition. And of course, in financial terms, EasyJet is very well positioned in Europe because we have a really strong balance sheet. And I can tell you, having a very strong balance sheet at a time like this, when you have the Eurozone crisis and you have oil going through the roof, um, is extremely important for an airline, for any airline. So um, I'll just make sure I'm on the right slide now. Oh, yes. Uh, now, a key part in enabling EasyJet to continue offering the EasyJet experience, I'll just go back a minute, um, is I think looking at the balance of the airline. Now, Tom talked about this, which is, you know, actually having uh, a balance of men and women in an airline is a healthy thing. It's good for the airline. It's good for business. Uh, and there's lots of research that proves that businesses that have that balance right actually are more effective and do better. Now... I still think a lot of work needs to be done on that at EasyJet. We haven't even scratched the, sur the surface. Um, but, you know, the EasyJet management board now has three women on it, including myself. Uh, we have around 125 female pilots out of 2,000. So I think we have lots of room to improve on that. Um, in our executive leadership team, which is the top 50, the people that really run the business, 25% are female. Um, and I guess what I'm doing is I'm looking at a range of things with a, a small team of, uh, of people to see how we can attract and retain more women pilots, but also more women into senior management. And the kinds of things we're looking at um, are, I think graduate programs are extremely important for that, because if you get high caliber women in at graduate level and you do a great graduate training program, uh, and we've got 20 of them coming in this year into EasyJet across Europe, that is a fantastic way to fast-track people into senior management uh, quickly. Um, I think very simple thing, like uh, taking all the female managers out for dinner, in a very low-cost way, obviously, because we're EasyJet, but, you know, <laughs> taking them out for dinner, and then actually just saying to a woman, and what I've found about female leaders is, if you ask any of them to come and speak, um, they'll come and speak. 
They, will, they don't hesitate to do so. So just getting someone very inspiring up there. And actually, I did a really interesting thing. I got Terry Leahy, who's CEO of Tesco, was, uh, to come and speak at a women's dinner. Uh, just a small group of women. They could ask him whatever he wanted. And it was fantastic. You know, he just, because he really believed in it. And he was really, really good at Tesco at being completely um, open and treated everyone equally. And if you were good, you just got on. That's the kind of mentality you want women to start feeling confident about. So very simple dinners, role models, very important. Sending women off to get experience in Europe or on major projects, very easy way, I think, of expanding their, their, their capability and getting them visible in an organization. And, of course, coaching and mentoring. So all of those things, I think, we're going to use at EaseJet. Hasn't really been done before there, but, but I hope that will have an impact on how many uh, women we can attract going forward into, into our company. Now, you'll all have heard of the Davis Report, and um, he's brought the issue of women on boards uh, into very sharp focus. And um, from September, all FTSE 100 companies will have to report on their numbers of women. Um, and we, will be, we are actually, we've already appointed and will be announced quite quickly that we have a female non-exec director joining our board. So that's also um, progress. Um, so I'm going to conclude now, which is to, um, to just kind of this bit of my, my own philosophy. I'm a real believer in aiming high. And I really believe uh, that what Michelangelo said um, is completely dr true. I think the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. And I, I just think those are, that, that is so true because, you know, a recent survey did find that women are far more likely than men to underrate their own performance at work. And that makes it really hard for them to get promoted because actually their lack of confidence engenders a lack of confidence in their abilities. So they could be very, very able. They just don't get on. Um, so I guess confidence, as we all know in this room, is critical to success. And I think what all of us in this room can do to ensure that women... We, that is to ensure that women we work with or women who work for us have the confidence to aim high. So engendering that confidence. And I would say that's, that remains one of the single biggest barriers to women in the aviation industry or actually to any industry for that matter. Now I'm going to leave you with a quote which always makes me smile, so I hope it will make you smile for I answer your questions. Nobody objects to a woman being good uh, to, to a woman, I'll start again. Nobody objects to a woman being a good businesswoman, writer, pilot, sculptor, or geneticist. If at the same time she manages to be a good wife, mother, good-looking, good-tempered, well-groomed, and unaggressive. Thank you very much.